You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch for the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geeks Watch. We are here. Guess what, folks? We're not going to be talking about Vagrant Queen this week. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> That's such a shame. <laughs> Mitch, insert some clapping here. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not because we didn't want to. <laughs> Uh, they literally changed their their schedule of when the the show comes out. So uh, with our recording, it's just not going to be possible, and we'll be a week behind, just like we were when we first started. Anyway, so we are not doing Vagrant Queen season one this week, but we are doing Russian Doll season one this week. So we have episode seven to talk about. Insert more clapping. Here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we get to that, let's go ahead and start talking about everybody's week's watch. So. Elizabeth, what did you watch this week? So I get to talk about two things this week, which is exciting for me because I never have time to watch anything. Um, I made her. Well, (laughs) one of them you made me. The other one I really enjoyed watching. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What a way to phrase that. Uh, So we watched um, the first full season of Hunters on Amazon Prime. Which is, for those who don't know about it, the concept is set in 1977 New York City. Uh, It's not revisionist history, more conspiracy theory history. There you go. Is what I would probably say. It hits hits a lot of the, the major, the New York blackout of 1977, you know, there's there's all those things, but it does have a conspiracy. You know, it deals with the CIA Operation Paperclip. So the U.S. government brought over all of these Nazi scientists and generals and powerful minds after World War II to keep them out of the hands of the Soviets and to use their powers for the U.S. And in return, they are attempting to restart the Fourth Reich. And so you have a group of outcasts, is probably the best way to put it, Um, or at least those that the Nazi Fourth Reich would not appreciate to have as soldiers, uh, going around as a group hunting these Nazis, uh, marking them down on their list and taking them out. So uh, it's a very, very interesting series. It's definitely not for the faint of heart it is definitely dark heart it's definitely dark but it is i think exceptionally well written i think the acting is great there are some 
serious plot twists that I did not see coming, at least not till when we were supposed to see them coming. So I, I thought it was really well done. I don't know what you think. I thought it was really a great story. I thought it was it was a great show. Um, yeah, Logan Lerman is the main uh, star for this for the show. It is an ensemble cast, but you're mostly following his character. He's a young man who finds out about this group of Nazi hunters. Uh, Al Pacino is kind of their Professor X, or yeah, yeah, I guess more Professor X than anything else. Uh, he's the one that's bankrolling the whole thing and puts all these people together. Uh, Josh Radner, most people remote know from uh, How I Met Your Mother, is Ted Mosby, plays a down and out actor, Jewish actor, Jewish actor that uh, you know got into drug problems, but now is a part of the group, and he is also their kind of their grifter, kind of their uh, master of disguise. Yeah, master. That's what they he claims him to be in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and also those who watched the first season of Altered Carbon, um, one of the bodies of Takashi Kovach is the actor that's in it, Byron Man. That's what I was trying to get at. Oh yeah. Uh, so there's a there's a lot of great actors in the in the show, and it is a it is quite the roller coaster. It really is. So yeah, that was a, that was that was a really good watch. So the episodes are quite long. The first episode's an hour and a half, and then they're Ugh. an hour <laughs> hour a piece after that. But it definitely it still moves well. Like you feel like you get a lot in each episode, but they don't feel like they drag on either. And since it's uh, it's a it it takes place in the nineteen seventies, and you are pretty much exp- uh, seeing the whole story through the eyes of this. Uh, 18 to 20 year old man a lot of it is very uh, grindhouse yeah. yeah there's a lot of comic book stuff there's a lot of grindhouse stuff there's a lot of exploitation film stuff like there's a lot of these intercut scenes of like kind of takes you out of the movie for the second but it's supposed to be it's supposed to do that and you, and you get the, like this whole explanation of what's going on kind of thing yeah his internal dance monologues yeah um <laughs> And, I mean, of course, the costuming and set design is very 70s. Mm-hmm. Very 70s. And all of its glory. So. so I'm very interested. <laughs> you should give it a watch. It's, it's, it's definitely worth the watch. It's definitely worth the watch. Um, but, yeah, so that's on Amazon Prime. And then the second Geeks Watch I have is in our exchange of movies during this... <laughs> quarantine mitch had me watch Spaceballs. that's right why did you do that to her because <laughs> i love Spaceballs. i love Spaceballs. yay oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um in the end i i liked it look there's there's definitely something about it i mean it fits in with some of my favorites buckaroo bonsai and big trouble in little china like it it definitely fits that feel um, just the the ridiculousness of it, but the pointed attacks <laughs> were a little rough for me at the beginning, and then I had to kind of just accept them and move through. Uh, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was it was a cute movie. It was a cute movie. It's probably not my favorite of that style. Men in Tights is your favorite of that style. Men in Tights is my favorite of that style. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's like <laughs> that is that is definitely my favorite of that style. But it was 
it was entertaining. It was very rough. Probably the first 15 minutes. I just, I was like, I'm not, I don't know that I'm going to make it through this. But after that, it got, it got much better. So I had to explain that before I ever saw any Star Wars movie, I saw Spaceballs. So that's probably the reason why I'm not a big Star Wars fan is because I saw Spaceballs first and, and loved that. Um, so, yeah. so he watched them in the wrong order. <laughs> or the right order. That way I'm not obsessed with Star Wars like other people. Uh, Don't attack me. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't attacking you per se, but... I mean, I'm not as bad as others, I guess. Now you're attacking John. <laughs> wow. No, no, no. John, John likes Rogue One, right? Yeah, I do. Actually. Yeah, see, he likes the new Star Wars. I like I like Rogue One. Rogue One. It's probably my favorite out of the actual Star Wars yeah. movies. Yeah, no question. It's, it's the best one. It's the best <laughs> one, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's I, I, Spaceballs will always hold a, a special place in my heart, and I... <laughs> I kept looking over at her throughout the movie, which I'm sure she does the exact same thing when I'm watching her movie and just being like, ah, ah, and it was no reaction whatsoever. And I was just like, damn it. I don't know how this, this is going to go all too well for the rest of the summer. I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. You've put off making me watch the Fast and the Furious movies. This so is true. I have put a, we'll get a little bit more variety. Um, <laughs> I, w- I would genuinely be like more excited for you to watch Fast and the Furious than Spaceball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that feels weird to say. Yeah, but there's nine Fast and Furious movies. It's true. Don't well, remind me. There's only eight and Fast and Furious and one Hobbs and Shaw. And she already saw Hobbs and Shaw. So I don't know if uh, I really need to make her watch well, Hobbs that's, and Shaw. That's a spinoff, though. I mean, it you is. Have to, you also what? have to take consideration the chronology of the movie that they're not in the order that they were released in right so you have to watch tokyo drift after like part five i think which is fucked up with tokyo drift it so. would be after six wow but i wouldn't Watching do- tokyo drift is the best one no it's not for yep. one <laughs> and two i'm gonna just show it to her in release date order i'm not gonna she's gonna experience it the way that the the, the it, i experienced it it's not gonna okay, go in I chronological think- I don't think no. I've ever watched the first two, actually. I think I just went Tokyo Drift and on. Yeah. Oh you God. have to be really confused. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do want to point out. Oh. It, all, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> Another car action movie. Her, Does it her watch? Car? No, it just needs more cars and boobs. That's it. <laughs> cars, boobs, uh, and muscles. Don't forget the, muscles. Don't forget the abs. That's true. But I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of Vin Diesel when he acts in that character. I don't <laughs> doesn't do it for me. <laughs> Does he have uh, other characters? <laughs> I'll, I'll point out though, you, Elizabeth, watched essentially in the, in the same way um, Fast and Furious as Mitch watched Star Wars, where Hobbs and Shaw is like, they're just, they're just cranking it. They're like, have a good fucking time. Yes. This is a movie. You pay for it. Eat your fucking popcorn. Like, <laughs> like, they're not trying to tell you a real story or anything. <laughs> Fair. How okay. Dare you? Okay. Good to know. Good. So, so the real question will be, how will I feel about the Fast and the Furious movies, so that we can compare one to one, right? You're gonna, you're gonna like the coherent story going forward. <laughs> well, in the first couple, if you actually start from the beginning, it all depends on how you feel about Point Break, because that's all that. <laughs> except with cars instead of surfing. Yep. This is. This there, there was, you, she's I, never I seen Point Break. You guys. 
Wow. No, 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 you're okay. You just watch Fast and Furious. I'll show it's all right. No, I'll show her Point Break first, and then we'll go into Fast and the Furious. That sounds like a plan. There you go. I I heard a thing recently that there was a there's a movie that um it Mitch, you love Clueless, right? Sure. We'll go no, with this what? premise. Who is, I can be wrong. Doesn't. I mean, I've never the, really talked about it, but I don't not like the movie. Because th- there's a there's some other movie that is apparently just Clueless that already exists, not like a new remake called Clueless. I can't remember what it was, but they, they were talking. Or it was Emma. Emma is the movie. Oh yeah, Clueless is a is a remake of Emma, like yes. the story of Emma. Yeah, yeah. Emma it's the opposite. Oh yes. shit! I, I I've never seen either. <laughs> I just, I heard- Emma is a Jane Austen novel. Yeah. yeah. I've n- I I've know nothing about this. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, like how. And that Emma was a remake of another Emma movie, too. Yeah, yeah so Emma it, was a Jane Austen novel, had multiple versions of it, and then you had Clueless. Which was a modernized version. Which was a modernized version of it. Kind of like when they took uh, Romeo and Juliet and turned it into whatever West that Side one. Story? No, I was thinking the one with Leonardo DiCaprio. But that's actually Romeo yeah. and Juliet. <laughs> Romeo plus Juliet. Yeah. But no, or West Side, yeah, West Side Story is probably better. It's, it's yeah. like Taming the Shrew is, actually, is 10 Things I Hate About You. Yes. 10 Things I Hate yeah. About You is actually Taming the Shrew. Yeah, from Shakespeare, yeah. and that's Lion probably King. a better one. Lion King is Macbeth. No Hamlet. I, yes. <laughs> why, why do people do this? Why do people do these things? <laughs> because okay you take things that are that are in public domain that are in super old, and you just Run modernize it because it. it's a story that's timeless. It's loved. It's that's, this. It's the same not, reason. Now you're bringing Beauty and the Beast into this. It's all this time. <laughs> Well, yes, there have been multiple versions of Beauty and the Beast or Cinderella or you know, that that aren't that story. Uh, <laughs> Song is oldest rhyme. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Very good. But yeah, no, so Spaceballs wasn't streaming, though. I don't think we found it anywhere streaming. Uh, it's only streaming if you have a Stars account. Then you can get it on Hulu mm-hmm. or uh, Stars, essentially. Stars. Oh. <laughs> Mitch just happened guys. to have Spaceballs. I do. I have a copy of Spaceballs. <laughs> of course I have a copy of Spaceballs. Uh, Steven, what do you have for your week's watch? Uh, so uh, just uh, one thing I actually watched and then one thing that's just a suggestion for people to go check out. Uh, one of them is uh, I tried the new comedy series from... Uh, I forget his first name, actually. Uh, but I, try, I tried Netflix's Middleditch and Schwartz. Oh, Thomas Middleditch and uh, Ben Schwartz. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I watched that. And, oh boy, let me tell you, that's real freaking good. I mean, I like both of those. Well, I like Ben Schwartz. Ben, <laughs> Thomas Middleditch, I don't know so much. He's not, he's not for me. I do not like Silicon Valley. And I, I'm... I know that's like a cardinal sin or whatever. No, it's not because it's kind of a <laughs> cart- person in real life too. It th- Thomas Middleditch is a is a doo doo. Kind of, yeah. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, you good. like a doo doo person. And no, you know, I've, I already like Max Landis's work, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> More of the same, I guess. <laughs> but no, um, Middleditch and, Sw- and Schwartz is really freaking good. The in in the first episode, uh, obviously, the whole idea for the thing is that it's long form improv. Everyone knows what improv is. improv is. It's yes and to anything, taking suggestions from people, acting stuff out. But, man, they they do really freaking well. I like Ben Schwartz. That's that's never going to change unless he becomes an alto doo-doo. But, 
that like they they just I'm sure the, they the, I was gonna say I'm sure they vetted him pretty well before letting him be the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. So I think you're okay. I, I I feel like the bar for Sonic is lower, but he is also one of the um voices of the kids of on Ducktales. Oh, that's right, he is on Ducktales. I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, it's a very good cartoon. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. Um but yeah, so like they I I don't watch a lot of comedy specials or anything like that. Um a few of the specials that I have enjoyed over time. Donald Glover is probably one of my top favorites. Um Mitch Hedberg is in there. Yay. Like Bo <laughs> Bo Burnham for a couple, but Bo Burnham is also a very particular watch. He's not yeah. an all the time kind of watch. Yeah. But this one is really good. Don't watch it with your parents if they don't like any bad words, but the first and third episodes are really good. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then the second thing that I wanted to bring up for people is something that I haven't actually gotten to check out myself, but um, it's a digital offering for comics. So obviously comics slowed down and they stopped and they announced the time for them to come back, but that's still a ways off. But it doesn't mean that just because they're not printing comics right now that you can't read any. You can still read comic. There's a newer comic it's available from uh, an artist, uh, a writer, uh, Rory McConville. Um, it's a true crime kind of series. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happens uh, because they posted a few pages. Uh, you can buy it for $2 on Gumroad. Uh, it's called Write It in Blood. Write It very in good. Blood. Yeah. Uh, one of the people that was champion- championing the whole series was Declan Shalvey, another comic book artist and writer. Um, he did the most recent version of Moon Knight that's out there. Um, pretty well-reviewed kind of thing. And I, I trust Declan Shalvey at this point. So I just want to check that. I just wanted to recommend that to people. Fair. I can't talk today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you back on the whole uh, Schwartz and Middle Ditch. Did you watch on Netflix uh, Oh Hello with Nick Kroll and uh, John Mulaney? Like it was their... Um, two-man show on broadway uh they play two older jewish men and they do it in old person makeup and uh they they let one of the filmings of the thing become go on uh netflix so i I take it since you let me ramble this long you did not see it no okay (laughs) i I, for some reason i have a thing against john mulaney though he seems super sweet i don't know what it is i like his stand-up but i don't i do not like his acting so he, he talks weird. Yes, he does. <laughs> every every sentence like always ends like this. <laughs> yeah. It's why is he Troy McClure? I don't understand. I don't know who that is. That's Troy McClure <laughs> from The Simpsons. Okay. Okay. Uh, anyways, I just I brought it up because I did not like that uh, special Netflix special, mm-hmm. and I was wondering if it was anything like that. And uh, I'm sure that if you like this, that's probably not. Yeah, honestly, I, I would say. Pretty much everyone here in this little digital room that we've got going on, uh, I, I think all of you guys, some element of your humor is present in this. I think we would all enjoy it. Okay. So Thomas or Schwartz Middle Dish and, and Schwartz. Oh, Middle Dish and Schwartz is on Netflix. And Write This in Blood? Uh, write It in Blood. Write It in Blood is on Gumroad. Yeah. Okay. Jessica, what is your week's watch? Um, I was scrolling through Netflix with my mom the other day and we chose just a random, I saw a trailer for a random Netflix rom-com called Love Wedding Repeat. Hey. 
Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. Oh, you watched it too? Yeah. Oh, cool. I, dude, yeah. I freaking love rom-coms. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that had Olivia Munn in it and Sam Claflin? Coughlin? Claflin? <laughs> sure. No, it, it, was, it was really a pretty good and interesting twist on a rom-com, I would say. It had like a kind of sort of time travel-ish element. Kind of sort of like the the big thing is like depending on where you sit at a table can depend on whether or not you meet the love of your life or not, or if things go successful with the love of your life or not. Mm-hmm. So you kind of sort of get several different run throughs of the same wedding day uh-huh. until you get that final perfect like one. A butterfly effect. Is it so? Wait, do any I, of the characters know that they're repeating time? No, no. So it's more like sliding say- doors. It, it's like it's like the the worst timeline episode of Community. Okay. Oh, cool. But yeah, no, it was it was really good. The acting was really good. I think the main reason why I pushed for watching it was because oh, and I can't remember her name. It had that actress that was in that Paul Rudd Netflix show. She played his wife. Oh, living with yourself. Yeah, living with yourself. She was the wife in living with yourself. It, she was like a side character in it, but that was like the whole reason why I watched it because I really liked her in living with yourself. So, uh, what person is it from this that played his wife in that? Which huh? person in um, love, love, wedding, repeat, or whatever it was called? She played, um, which I can't even see her on the cast right now. Um, like what? What's his the name? one what's that the... ended up with his best friend in the end? That with the actor. Ah, uh, okay. That guy, that guy, his best, his best friend, yeah. is also playing Jasper in the next, uh, the um, one hundred one Dalmatians prequel. <gasps> oh, it's he really good. Jasper. One hundred one yeah. Dalmatians prequel. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Wait, why do I not know about this? Because <laughs> <laughs> you hate Disney. Yeah, it's but I literally stay <laughs> tuned into everything that's going on. It's Cruella Deville. It's with Emma Stone. Oh, the mm-hmm. yeah, there you go, Cruella Deville yeah, or go. yeah, Cruella. I knew that. Yeah. I knew about that. I, I, I guess I just sure. did not. I did. Sure. How dare you? There's, there's no way he didn't know. I know. But still, it's fun. <laughs> I, just, I just like that he was like, no, 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 really, really. No, stop. Everyone stop thinking I didn't know. Stop. How dare you? So, Love Wedding Repeat, uh, that's the name of it, right? Yes. Uh, I think it's called Ed. I think it's called Edge of Wedding. <laughs> I think it's, I think I, I believe it's actually all you need is cake. Like that's, uh, so, other than the the unique storytelling in that, or is it great great casting, great uh, acting, great directing? I would say great casting and acting. I don't know if I really loved how it was filmed too much. Some of the mm-hmm. editing choices I didn't love, but I don't watch a rom-com for editing and filming choices. I watch it for the for the story. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you have were you falling off until the first time changed? I was confused until the first time changed. Like I, I was didn't like get- am I supposed to like where is this going because this seems like an utter wreck and then it yeah. time changed and you're like oh now i get the point of why that lady was having that speech about depending on where you sit like oh now i oh repeat oh like, <laughs> all in all like i really like the idea of it but i don't think it's well executed the no. acting was good 
Um, even the part like with the directing and stuff was good. I just feel like it felt so dry and like it felt like an overly spacious room. Yeah. Like watching it, not not actually in blocking. I just, I don't know. I could see that. Yeah, it just felt... I don't know, that whole middle part was choppy. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like if they started it sooner, the repeats, and if you got even more from some of those repeats, it might have been a bit better, but maybe they... I don't know, maybe that didn't work well in testing or something, the pacing of it, but... I, yeah, because it was like 65% of the way through the whole movie when they even introduced that idea, and yeah. then there's like four other timelines that happen. I want to say, well, there, there's a bunch. Well, you see there's a bunch. Ones. I want to say it's every single person gets in that one seat. So that was a table of eight. So there has oh, to damn. be like, there's probably six within that like quick edited time of you just seeing who gets that one seat. Mm-hmm. And then, but yeah, it's, it's really like for like, you get five minutes of all those one times and then boom. And then she says, what if everything went right? And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was weird, but I, I still enjoyed it. Like at oh, yeah, the end okay. of it, I came out having liked it more than I did halfway through. Oh yeah. So okay. is there a dis- uh, distinct like <laughs> ending to the movie? I don't know. I mean, yeah. The, the yeah. end, but that's it. <laughs> it's, a rom-com, it's, it's a rom-com end. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. I mean, with the yeah. fact that there's multiple timelines, is is there like a, everything's a resolved kind of thing or is it more like it's up in the air which one you want to believe is the the correct timeline kind of thing there's only one that they show you everything of ah okay because i keep i keep scrolling past it oh yeah that's fair yeah (laughs) (laughs) because i keep scrolling past it keep thinking oh maybe i'll check this out and i I never do so it's interesting that's interesting to hear that you both liked it there was that one moment in there just in the, the second ending that's like the it's like leading up to like the most like rom com kind of end. And then the, the guy walks up and he's like, hey, that was a good moment. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. So for that everybody was like else intentionally that. vague for you guys. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> all right. All you are <laughs> love wedding repeat is uh, on Netflix right now streaming. Did you have anything else, Jess, or was it just that? Nope, that's it. Okay. Uh, John. I talked, I talked a whole lot during yours. I'm sorry. <laughs> what did you watch this week? All right. So I think it's kind of interesting that the universe is converging right now because I watched something very similar called When We First Met on Netflix. Oh, I watched oh, that one. On my list. And um, yeah, that one has basically a uh, combination of uh, butterfly effect and big with a little bit of 500 days of summer thrown in. Um, it stars Adam Devine, or is it Devine? It's Devine. Divine. <laughs> and um, the real reason why I watched this is also for Alexandra Daddario. Uh, I swear I could watch her clubbing baby seals and still find it adorable. She's Canadian? I don't think adorable is the word you were looking for. <laughs> um, I think only one person got that one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. And um, so the premise of this one is that... Uh, Adam Devine met Alexander Daddario at a Halloween party, and they had a great, like, first meeting, <clears throat> and they had a, you know, a really good night, but he waited way too long to give her that first kiss, so they became, he became friend-zoned. And so the story picks up at the uh, wedding reception 
for her and the guy that she met the next day. And so he realizes that if he goes back to the photo booth that him and her used um, on that same night and takes pictures again, it'll reset back to that same night of Halloween. So he basically has a chance to relive that, say, that whole evening uh, to do things differently. And then when he wakes up the next day, it'll be a time lapse of three years from when the story picks up. But he doesn't remember a lot, like anything that happened in those three years. It's basically like he just sets things in motion and then he sees where he is at the end of that three-year time frame. And so, yeah, he, he tries several different times to do things differently. Uh, you know, one time he acts like a complete douche and it works. Like he nags her repeatedly and she ends up falling for it. But then they don't have a happy relationship. He's basically just like that guilty booty call of hers. Um, there's another one where he decides to become more serious in his job. So he's more successful and he has a nice house, but he's always working. So he's never there with her spending time. Um, and in almost all of these different iterations, she always ends up hooking up with um, uh, Robbie Amell. I believe that's Stephen Amell's brother. No, cousin. Cousin? Yep. And uh, <clears throat> same last name, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, so like it's, it's almost like he's fighting fate because for some reason or another, they almost always end up together and he always has to go back and reset it and uh, try again. So... Uh, yeah, I watched that, and I feel like the movie wasn't that great. It has its moments here and there, but I think it's more of a vehicle for Adam Devine to do like his quirky little things that he, you know, is prone to do. Because otherwise, if anybody, if any other actor was just playing it straight, it would be kind of boring. Like he brings his little like quirkiness to it, you know, the funny faces he makes, and uh, he sings a lot in it because he's a jazz pianist for a lot of these different realities. So I thought those were. Um, it was entertaining, I want to say. And in the end, he realizes, uh, without giving anything away, that uh, you shouldn't get in the way of fate. Some things just are meant to be and some are not. Yep. And uh, it kind of feels like Netflix is like Adam Devine's new home. Like He's got so many <laughs> originals there right now. It's true. He has a lot of good fate, I guess, from those Pitch Perfect movies. Did anybody else see, uh, what was that? It's, it, I think it's called Lex or something like that. Basically like a comedy version of Her with uh, Joaquin Phoenix. He has that one where he he kind of gets in a relationship with his AI and then he wants to get out of that relationship, but he can't. I thought you meant the le- the, the sci-fi series. No, yeah, it's this, I think it's the same name. But yeah, it's not it's not the sci-fi series. Either way, I haven't seen that yet, but I, I'm kind of reluctant to go check it out. But uh, when we first met, I I did check that one out too. I thought that I thought I, I mean I, t- I think I watched it last year during my my one, my 365. But it was uh it was good. It was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. Anybody else yeah. get a chance to watch it? <clears throat> nope. 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 On my list though. Yeah. So, uh, John, that's on Netflix. Did you watch anything else this week? Yes. I also watched the first episode of The Midnight Gospel, and I want to reserve all my conversation <laughs> for that until I finish the series. But holy damn, that's like straight out of liquid television or something. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, Stephen's watch last week, right? Yes, it was. Yes, and <laughs> so based good. on Jessica's face, she also, she also, watched, it this also week. watched it and also enjoyed it and is also reserving the ability to talk about it until she's done with it. <laughs> That's fair. 
Uh, you know, I, it kind of reminded me a little bit, um, just completely tangential, but um, when they were first going to create uh, The Incredibles, uh, Pixar, uh-huh. they, uh, one of the animators or somebody in the production had heard the, the woman that does the voice of Violet. Um, she does like NPR. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they're like, wow, she has a really interesting voice. And so as a test, they took one of her broadcasts and animated it. Um, oh, so wow. she's she's doing just like her radio thing. It's it's one of the special features on the DVD, I think. Ooh, I'll have to go check um, that out. Yeah, but they, they show her basically like talking, doing her thing, but like she's doing all this crazy stuff like while she's doing her broadcast. You know, it's like um running around inside the recording booth and like things are falling down and she's like trying to keep them up and um so I guess they showed that to her. And they're like, hey, we'd like you to be in this movie. This is kind of how, you know, we picture you looking. And she was like, okay. She basically signed on without knowing anything about it just because they went through the trouble to do that for her. Or being an actress. Yeah. I mean, because she was just, and she's actually a really interesting person too. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, Um, but she's like a history, like professor somewhere. Like she's written books. She's a really interesting person. Mm. Uh, back to the Midnight Gospel, though. Is that the same like art or creator or artist or animators as um, Super Jail? It, dude, it has all the same vibe. Um, but as far as I know, the the creator is Pendleton Ward, who did Adventure Time before. Um, but I don't I don't know if it was Titmouse that did the animation for it. I'll find out right now. Because I because oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say I did try to watch it the other day, like the first episode, and I got through half of it. I was like, I can't do this. I, I did not care for it at all. No, I, I don't blame you. Again, it's not for everyone. <laughs> I I liked what they were talking about more than the animation of that was going on. I mean, I thought it was funny the juxtaposition of what was going on in the animation as they were talking about what talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I did also fall asleep during like probably three quarters of the way through because I was really tired that day. So I do need to finish it, but I quite enjoyed what I saw and heard. Hey, Steven, have you ever watched uh, Xavier Renegade Angel on Cartoon Network? I can't fucking do it, man. (laughs) Dude, my friend Jake loves that series. I I cannot. I've only seen a couple of episodes, but I got really strong vibes, not in like subject matter, but just the tonality, like the madness and the idea that, like, if you did, if you had a really bad like trip, that it would be like this. <laughs> yeah, that's like, what you would be seeing. It was in that time um, for Xavier Renegade Angel. It was in like a dark time for Adult Swim for me, where I just couldn't watch anything that Adult Swim played. <laughs> like there'd be like the two episodes of whatever Fox comedy they had in the beginning. Then for three hours I couldn't watch, and then I'd come back in for like the two hours of anime at the end. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I, I, I'm not saying I'm a fan of Xavier Renegade Angel, only that it's something you should watch at some point in your life just to be like, whoa, like what the hell? I appreciate it because a lot of the people that I like most like that show. <laughs> but I, I'm also in the same spot where it's like, you know what? If I watch it, maybe there won't be any more for them. You know, so they, <laughs> they, they can keep it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There's a finite <laughs> amount. Also, um, it, it was Titmouse. It was uh, Titmouse and a company named Oatmeal Production or o- Oatmeal Maiden. Okay. 
But I mean, Titmouse is behind anything that's pretty much traditionally animated okay. at this point, like digital traditional. You know what I mean? Like hand drawn. on. Yeah. Uh, one of those shows that I always wanted to try, try out, but I never did because I don't know if I'll like it or not is Frisco Di- or D- Frisky, Frisky Dingo. I can't do that one. Is it not? That, that one. It, it's this, it's the same kind of like wild, but it also carries a lot of like Venture Bros vibes, but I, cu- I couldn't hang. See, I, and I get always get a big Archer vibe from it, and I love Archer, so I just never. I, get... I, I guess I can't speak for Frisky Dingo then, because I don't like Archer either. Mm. <laughs> uh, okay, so it was Midnight Gospel on Netflix, correct? Yes. Okay, well, we'll have to hear what you. You're good, man, John. But to hear what you think about it when you finish. Uh, so I have two things. The first thing I watched or I want to talk about at least is a true TV show that I watched the first two seasons of, or the, the two seasons of it on, uh, Netflix. It is available on Netflix. Third season is going to be on true TV. I believe in the fall. Uh, it is a show called I'm sorry. Now the reason I, no, that's I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Uh, the fir- reason why oh. I picked it up is because it had Tom Everett Scott in it. And if you've watched uh, That Thing You Do, he is Shades. He's uh, the drummer from that from the movie. So I've always been a big fan of Tom Everett Scott. He had a TV show called Saved for a while where he played a paramedic. And it he was, was really good. He was on Dead Man on Campus. He was on Dead Man on Campus. He was in uh, American, Win- Where- American Werewolf in Paris, the terrible sequel to American Werewolf in London. Um, but... Yes, Tom Everett Scott. He he was also in La La Land recently. He played Emma Stone's husband that wasn't Ryan Gosling. Anyways, uh, however, the show very much uh, focuses on Andrea Savage's character in the in the show. Uh, it is about a married couple who have a daughter that's in preschool, going into kindergarten, and she is a comedy writer in Hollywood. She, her writing partner is played by Jason Manzukis. So you see a lot of him in the first season, which I enjoy because I like Jason Manzukis. But he's good. Uh, the, the things that she says, it hurts. is so awesome. Like she does not hold back. She has a lot of, she, she understands like there are certain times when you say certain things and there's certain times when you shouldn't say certain things, but there are also times when she's like, there's no reason why we don't say these things. Like there's no reason why there's a taboo to what we say. And she loves to speak all about it. So I thought it was a hilarious 30 minute sitcom. Her parents are played by, uh, Oh, I forget what the name of the actress that plays her mom, but her dad is played by Martin mole. Uh, and, the two of them are divorced and he is in an open relationship with another, with another lady. And they talk about that for a lot of the season and they have a wall of erotic pictures up on their house. And like, it's a big <laughs> subject. It is. It's, I think it's a very, very funny show. Uh, if you have the opportunity, you should watch it. It's 10 episodes a season, two seasons, 20 episodes total. Uh, I, I know Elizabeth watched a couple episodes <laughs> with me and, once again, she does not like it when there's a lot of awkwardness on screen because she feels all of it. So this this one hurt her some. Yeah, <laughs> it was very funny. It was very funny, but no, there was there was a lot of intentional awkwardness. And I just I am not capable of sustaining that for any length of time. Uh, I think if you've ever watched the show Married, that was on. Uh, 
Netflix or not Netflix FX, or if you enjoy Kim's Convenience, you, you would you would like uh, I'm Sorry, so give that a try. Hmm. The movie that I watched that Elizabeth brought to the table this week, though, was uh, not a Disney movie, but it was an animated movie. Well, technically now is a Disney movie because it was a Fox animated movie at the time. Hey. Anastasia from 1997. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I would th- I'll say this. I enjoyed it much more than I did Hercules. <laughs> did you like it more or less well, than Emperor's good. New Groove? I would say I liked Emperor's New Groove more. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just I like to get the rankings. Yeah, you. you, you yeah, it's a good. It's a good idea. Get get a good idea of where it's. So no, wait, uh, w- like with the Emperor's New Groove uh, and uh, Anastasia comparison, which would you rather hang out with, <laughs> or the Bat? Oh, I'd much rather hang out with Hank Azaria than David Spade. Like what? Yeah, <laughs> like I think it's funny because so I didn't know I didn't know much about Anastasia before going into this. Uh, working at Blockbuster for as long as I did uh, for seven years, um, I kept going past this not Anastasia in the kids movie section, but Batrock the or Batrock the, the Magnificent, which is a kind of sequel spinoff to this movie. So I honestly thought that he was going to be a much bigger part in this movie, and he no. is not. We just all find him absolutely hilarious. I guess so. Like that was, that was the whole thing. Uh, the The voice casting in this this movie, I think, is so all over the place, and it was back to the time when you have a actor playing the 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 character and then you have another person come in and be the singing part of that character so i also thought that was strange because it was um meg meg ryan as anastasia and then they brought in a singer to play to sing the roles uh john cusack as dimitri the the male lead and yet another person to come in and sing however kelsey Grammer as a side character, sings his own parts, which I thought was awesome. He's also the only one that does a Russian accent throughout the whole movie. Everybody else speaks regular American English. It's like the hunt for Red October. (laughs) It's a little bit like the hunt for Red October. This is correct. Uh, Also for, also for, also, also, Christopher Lloyd as uh, Rasputin. That was, that was great. I love seeing Christopher Lloyd in anything or this, this, instance hearing christopher lloyd so that was really cool um i did recognize this animation art because i am a big fan of titan ae and this is the same this is a don bluth movie um however there were it's the haircut right oh definitely the haircut (laughs) you can definitely see the haircut uh but there's a thing about this particular type of animation where I don't know exactly what it is, but there's like, okay, Anastasia's crown. Uh-huh. It doesn't look like it belongs in this world because it's all weird, like sparkly, shimmery. shimmery. Like I get it what they were trying to do, but it's not, it, it, it feels like someone, you know what it feels like? It feels like a uh, South park where the pieces are just glued on top of each other and then moved kind of thing. So it feels like it, that wasn't animated. It's a CG object. It's a at CG least in object, parts for sure. Okay, so it's 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 a before its time kind of thing, I guess. Yeah, like it's the the, the spaceships in Titan AE. 
Yes, the spaceships in Titan AE. Well, and, and the dredge for that matter, I guess. Yeah. I found out... You guys watch Scrubs here? All of us? No. No. <laughs> what, what kept you... you know, I, I'll, I'll, I won't ask more. Um, <laughs> in Scrubs, uh, Ted Buckland, the, the lawyer in the series... He's okay. he's like he's the nephew, I believe, of Christopher Lloyd. His last name's Lloyd. Oh, okay. And it makes so much sense now. <laughs> like I oh man. It scrubs it very good. I'm I'm rewatching it a little bit as the podcast is going. You're wa- you're watching something while we're recording? No, no, fake fake fr- or fake doctors real friends. They're oh. doing a podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. got you, got you, got you. No, are you how how could I? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what your setup is at home. I mean, physically could, not my ears. ADHD. <laughs> That's true. That's fair. Uh, so yes, Anastasia. I I had an okay time with it. Once again, I don't know if this is a thing that just happened in '90s cartoons or fairy tale cartoons or whatever, but. The ending is just so rushed. Everything just happens in the last ten minutes, and then we're done. They're now a couple. They're gonna go get. They're gonna go elope, and they you know, run off with each other, kind of thing. Like the yeah. she she <laughs> yeah. gets to talk to her grandmama, and she figures out who she is. And then at that point, I'm like, wait, we haven't seen Rasputin since like before the the halfway mark in this movie. Like we knew that he was be coming to, to come take her in Paris and, Oh, and now he shows up and there's a big fight scene and it's over. It's like, he is the main antagonist of this movie. It should be more involved. Or was he? I honestly think the fault in the nineties movies might be that we just at the time didn't know a lot about how much kids could actually handle within movies. So they, they kind of sort of rush them near the end kind of thing or to me like, trying to timeline. make up for their attach- attention spans. And like nowadays, we actually have a lot more ways of knowing exactly how to keep kids attentive to a movie and how to plot it out. Yeah, you make you make an Olaf and then you make <laughs> him sing loud or make a fart noise once every like seven minutes there and they're there for the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> or you have a whole bunch of like yellow minions just saying gibberish. Oh, <laughs> that being said, I did like I did like Frozen too. I thought the movie had a lot more that it could have done, but then did not do. But it was still, oh yeah. <laughs> so there, that's where I'm at with Anastasia, which is streaming on not Disney Plus. We watched it. I think we watched it on Amazon. HBO. HBO. That's what it was. That's right. It's on HBO. So there you go. Uh, that is our week's watch. Let's get into Russian Doll season one episode. Seven. We only have this is the second to the last episode of the season, or what is it called, John? The penultimate. penultimate. That's yeah. right. <laughs> that that is a joke from the before time when John and I were the only ones on this on the show, and he had to teach me what penultimate meant. So it's my favorite word because it has the word penal in it. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> <sighs> That's <trying to. laughs> He's not. He's not wrong. <laughs> Good for you, Stephen. Stick up for doesn't that. mean he is right, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You can't challenge it. It's true. <laughs> uh, but, yes, go ahead, Stephen. Take it away. So how did you guys feel with this one? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to say we are far, far away from where we started with the show. At least that's how I feel. Yeah. Well, yeah. From, from the start of this episode, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it just set its tone just perfectly right in like that first look of her face. But I was like, my anxiety was through the roof. I was like, I'm going to cry during this episode. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know why. But I know it's going to happen. I did not. I did end up crying during this episode. I did not appreciate your uh, preemptive strike there, Jessica, in the group text telling me that I was supposed to be anxious during this episode because before it started, before we even sat down, I was like, I'm going to have a panic attack. (laughs) I forget that you guys wait till last minute to watch. (laughs) I thought I was going to be the last one to be able to watch. So real quick, you said you said that you cried, Jess, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely know that I did the first time and this time. Um, anyone else have even like a tear or something well up at some point in this episode? I had hyperventilation. Yeah, that was <laughs> that mine. Was- that was mine. I had the the anxiety. I had yeah. absolutely no emotions on this <laughs> this episode. Like you don't. It's <laughs> not. It, I mean, I I found things funny, and I I also found things interesting but i didn't i didn't have any anxiety i didn't have any sadness i didn't have any particular uh emotion to go with it you have to remember he only gets upset if something happens to a dog this is true that's that's the extent of it unless somebody (laughs) is hurting an is hurting a puppy there is there is no emotion it doesn't have to be just a puppy any animal I have a real good episode of Fulton Alchemist for you. All (laughs) that gray hair. No, don't do it. All that gray hair is a sign of how dead you are inside of it. I mean, it's true. (laughs) You're you're absolutely right. Um, For for this one, we're definitely shoring up, I think, a lot of theories that were possible leading up to now. No? Yeah, okay. I I think we were like, nope. No, no answers. No, they're, like, <laughs> no, they're, well, they're definitely weeding through them very quickly. Like, I here, we'll just Nadia, take this one and throw it out, and this one and throw it out. <laughs> the one that she presented early on was actually my favorite so far, which is that they're perceiving time differently now by mm-hmm. giving the examples of the how you perceive an object in different dimensions. Yeah, yeah. that was very cool. That, that, was, that was, like, straight up my line of, like, Yes, I want to hear more about this kind of thing. There's a short YouTube video called um, Imagining the Tenth Dimension, which goes through all of the dimensions. And the guy that does the, the, the narration of it has, like, the most soothing voice ever. Like, put that on the loop and just fall asleep to it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he, the way he describes it is it, it does a lot of um, the way that they explain um, string theory, like in um, Interstellar and in... Um, in uh, Event Horizon, where they do the example of the two points, you put them together, and then you can whatever you know go through. Right. Well, he goes through all the dimensions, not just the fourth, mm. and that's exactly what Nadia was talking about. It's yeah. like you see this orange in two dimensions; it'd be a circle. In this dimension, it's a sphere, and in the fourth dimension, it's in that state of decay. But, you know, when you look at something fourth dimensionally, you're seeing all the states that it's in simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So you would be able to see it, uh, you know, from a ripening orange to being completely dried and desiccated and everything in between. Like, it's really interesting. As soon as she said that, I perked up. <laughs> but needless to say, all the other stuff dealing with her mother really put me on edge. <laughs> yeah. And I, w- one of the things that, 
um, that I liked most about this episode is one, uh, the fact that they basically traced back all of the threads that they've laid up to now, including mm-hmm. the, like the rotting fruit and everything. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But the biggest one for this entire episode was that I think they cast a person who I believe is crazy. Chloe Savigny? You think Chloe Savigny is crazy? Dude, she's batshit fucking insane. No one gets those eyes naturally. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't watch anything with her. I want to concur with Steven. (laughs) (laughs) I think Steven speaks from experience, and so do I. You recognize that look. (laughs) There's definitely something in there. The, the, the way that you describe feeling through this episode, I feel anytime I see her on screen. I can't watch anything. <laughs> oh. I just I don't know what it is. I'm just like she's oh, a see. she's cha- a chaotic neutral. I can't. For me, she wasn't what caused the anxiety. What? For me, it was it was Nadia's relation to that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Very much so. And um, the part I found really interesting is, and I think last episode to this episode shows it really well is while Alan and Nadia are on the same ride, they are crossing each other in terms of the ups and downs of how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's very stark between the end of the last episode where Alan, you know, we, we end with Alan saying, you know, I committed suicide the first time. So he Mm -hmm. clearly looks like, you know, he's on the plummet down and Nadia had just figured something out. So she, you know, she's on the, path up and then they switch this episode oh yeah yeah best doing this like like, sine wave thing (laughs) that i think actually goes with the description very well everyone imagine a sine wave yeah right now right now do that but so (laughs) because alan was fine with you know he he's like okay uh clearly people are disappearing something is changing the only thing is to correct what i have done I need to go to B, I need to, you know, accept what is, I need to move forward, I need to move on, while Nadia is spiraling back into her childhood. Mm-hmm. And the traumas she suffered there, and the guilt she feels attached with that. And so I, I just, I found, because we kind of see it throughout since they met up with each other a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. But I think this one was the starkest watch of the Switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that there's any reason for them having gotten like sucking this thing together in that they're kind of like, I guess their, their trauma, their emotional kind of complications are so similar, despite the fact that one comes from like more or less the now and the other comes from the past. Well, I think to me what, what ties them together is because uh, I think Ruth said it the best was, Nadia has lost the will to live in this world and be a part of this world. Mm-hmm. And Alan has lost the spark to live in this world, be a part of this world. And I think that's what's tying them together. Mm-hmm. Is that mutual that, desire to step out of this current world. Mm-hmm. That, that was the part that got me to cry, was the part with um, between Ruth and Nadia, where she asked her, like, where's the, like, you, you were so full of, like, the will to live. Uh, yeah. And that part, and then she asks her, like, do you still have that now? And we talked about the part where Alan's acting was phenomenal in the last episode. Mm-hmm. This episode was the same thing for yeah. Natasha Leone for me. No, like I just the, like the, the curl of the lips and then just like trying to hold it back. But then it breaks through the floodgates, you know? 
like yeah. that was that was a really really good moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I cried. Nice, it, it's a good moment for it. <laughs> did, did anyone else just like immediately feel emotion seeing young Ruth trying to like hold her mom at bay in all of the situation? Yes, that, that's yeah. where that's where my anxiety kind of kicked in. Because it's like, okay, something has to blow up. Because we know that Nadia ends up with Ruth. You mm-hmm. know, and, and Nadia remembers it as her saying to the, the social worker that she wanted to. And Ruth says, no, you're not remembering it right. You did what your mom told you to. But there was no way any of us were going to let you to continue to live like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. between that and then the ending pieces with the shards of glass coming out of Nadia... And the breaking of the mirrors, like, that was definitely like a, oh, God, what happened? What haven't we seen yet? What was mm-hmm. the incident? Yeah. For for you guys, did um did any of this episode reshape the way you looked back on stuff? I said pretty much each time. I'm, just, I'm always curious if it does ever. It's okay to say no. No, I, I, don't, I don't think it's reshaped anything that I've already seen in the show. Um, I still think... I think that this episode gives more credence to my video game simulation theory. Uh, yes. I, yep. <laughs> I, I am still holding strong to the key is Nadia's mother and her relation to that. I think a, a theory that I formed uh, watching this episode is that Nadia is the character we've been watching, is our main character, but the story is about Alan in the way that... Uh, this is a more of a like real sci-fi total recall kind of thing. Like this is a simulation that Alan as a person in the real world ha- has, has been put into to work through something because he maybe he did try to kill himself. And uh, Nadia is the either the programmer that was sent in to try and help him or a therapist that's supposed to be there. And because he she killed him, an awful therapist then because she there, <laughs> <laughs> she, she's a pro. So there's they're a, supposed to help you. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not there. To, they're to be, a, they're there to be a sounding board. Listen, <laughs> he's not putting anything out. She's only throwing back at you what you put out. <laughs> so then she's, she's literally a programmer just like she's supposed to be. And, and he got stuck in the program somehow and she's got sent in there, but then she got lost. And because he killed himself the first night, uh, like he, he was just supposed to restart and keep working through this night for himself. But since she, she's a real person, it, it's, it's connected her to, and she didn't know. And that's why them keep restarting the night is eating up more memory. So more people and things keep disappearing. So you think they've developed a critical memory leak? Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, why, that's why main characters like Liz and uh, Maxine. Maxine and B and Ruth and and Mike all still exist, even mm-hmm. though people seem to be randomly popping out or being taken away, because yeah. they have they are more important, critical to the program. Like they're not NPCs just in the background. Well, except we didn't okay. see Lily in the last take. That's true. It was yeah, just no. Maxine. I, I think I think she was gone. Yeah, oh, yeah. Lizzie's gone. Yeah. Lizzie, sorry. Yeah, no. yeah Lizzie. Liz, and, yeah, Lizzie. And I mean, that's just because <laughs> as it goes further, even the main characters are getting taken away until the main main person is this is the only thing left. One um, another part of this episode that I enjoyed so much is that we, we've obviously seen these actors exist as this these characters in like one night one situation together, mm-hmm. but they all acted them so like 
I, I don't know how to say this without saying it's stupid, so I'm just going to say it's stupid. We, we saw them act it. Uh, no, no, I figured it out. Uh, incrementally different. There we go. Okay. Um, but yeah, like uh, even just in seeing all of Maxine's parts with her when she comes in and people are gone, more people are gone, more people are gone. And the last one where it's just her and even when she's like, Maxine, and she's like, sweet, sweet birthday, baby. Yeah. Like, it changed so much. And even the, I forget, his Mike is the guy's name. Yeah. We even saw him have a good moment. Like, that was the, weird. Yeah, that yeah. was very weird. These actors that Perfect. at the end of it, I'm like, okay, I guess I like him. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it does kind of sort of show that your personality changes depending on the amount of people that are around you, though. It's a natural mm-hmm. thing. I think Maxine is like, when more people are there, she's more, but when she's by herself, she seems more sort of Zen-like and just dancing in an empty room, which was probably my favorite <laughs> shot of the whole thing. When that door with that one shot of her dancing and you get close. I loved, loved how that was filmed, but I like one shot. So, um, I the party. <laughs> but, and, and, and it's just, and like, you're a different person when you're with your kid, like, mm-hmm. and that's what well, it kind of shows how we constantly, switch between who we are depending on who's watching it mm-hmm. well but i and it also i think plays to how alan is interacting with that situation mm-hmm. mike has always seemed like the ultimate douchebag because because that's how alan perceives alan. him once mm-hmm. alan has established that it isn't mike's fault in in the sense that he is not the reason the relationship is broken up, but rather mm-hmm. the result of a bad relationship, you get a switch in Alan's perception of him, which causes us to perceive him differently because yeah. we are seeing this all through Alan and Nadia's eyes. But would a guy who's just seen random women like bring his child over to one of the random women woman's house like is he actually seeing a whole bunch of random women though like we could have seen him in a time when he's by and large mostly in a relationship with the but at the same time also hooked up with that one lady because they have an open relationship but it wasn't just well, he hooked up with he, Nadia yeah he hooks too. up with Nadia in the first episode he well, hooks yeah. up with the, but, the the other woman in at the party well, or we tries. see still, him hook up still, with all those people but for him yeah, it's, it's just the one one person <laughs> Yeah, but you be in one person no matter what. Still, you could take you can extrapolate that even though we're only seeing one night out of his life, that the way that he acts with the the student that's in his office, the way that he acts with any woman at the party. I I didn't think about the student. Yeah, it's true. Like it's the way he acts with Nadia too. But again, people are multifaceted, and so I wonder how much of what we perceive is based upon what. Nadia and Alan perceive because Nadia's character naturally perceives everybody to be objects and, and only interested in their self pleasure. She doesn't grasp the concept of caring about others. That's that's not a thing that she really grasps in all that sense. So she would perceive anybody as just looking for instant gratification, and Alan perceives him as a homewrecker. So he's never going to be painted in a good light for either of them. But that doesn't mean he necessarily... I mean, and it doesn't mean he's... Just because we see him with his kid doesn't mean he's actually a good person. I'm not saying that, but there may be more than one facet here, and we're just now starting to see 
the difference that occurs when you change your perception of the outside world. It's true. I mean, like continuing with the whole like simulation kind of angle, even though the first time that we see these characters, we do perceive it as being like their canonical lives that should be an honest representation. We are still seeing those, those, their world through just those two characters' eyes in that situation. So we are still seeing it just only on their lens of things, no matter what. So we could have seen more of the world if they gave us a more, I don't know, like unfiltered idea of the whole world, but we're just seeing it covered by them. Also, I thought was uh, a thing that I, I, I thought about during the episode is that we haven't seen um, a group of douchey guys like we did in the first like three episodes. That was the first thing the world got rid of. They were just like, <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> we don't need that. We, don't need that. Well, we also don't reach as late into the evening. That's fair. They keep dying. Mm-hmm. They're, they're now dying progressively early and earlier into the evening in this episode. So they don't necessarily make it to the point where she would be seeing those douchey guys. Correct. I mean, if my other theory of, of those three, three guys just being the same three guys over and over in different situations, because it was, it was in the bodega, it was in the ambulance, it was in her office in like, I think, Oh, and then in the street when they bumped into her. Yeah. Well, uh, one thing that, um, came up a lot for me in this episode was it, it kept making me think on rewatching the series this time that we've seen over the series, Nadia give up things that were important as like from, from when she was younger, as the series Mm -hmm. has gone on. Um, In this episode, we saw her mom tell her like, never cut your hair kind of thing. Like your hair is important. And we saw a horse cut her hair a while ago. Uh, She gave up the necklace and like over time, she's given up more things that connect her either positively or negatively to her mom and that trauma in the past Mm -hmm. unwittingly. Yeah. Or so you're saying we're going to see her give up some watermelon. I mean, it's a distinct possibility. You can't live on just watermelon. True. You get some serious stomach aches if you do that. Yeah. <laughs> but no scurvy. <laughs> no, no scurvy. <laughs> uh, was there anything that you guys liked particularly the most about the episode? Not going to lie. Yes. I think my favorite line was Maxine's repeated, I have a fire escape. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like that line because I was really like, oh my gosh, like who doesn't get a new place and not do a fire plan? Maxine. <laughs> yeah, Maxine, definitely. Jessica, all of us that don't aren't related to firefighters. That too. Okay, I'm, I'm going to give you guys some homework. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all need to make your fire plan. I, I have a window right here. That's it. <laughs> You give me That's lots good. of homework. I don't do it ever. Quickly, <laughs> I, I close it and open it during the podcast all the time. Okay, I just push the mute button. Boop, boop. Okay, all right. You have a point. <laughs> and downstairs, I don't know. Everyone's gonna leave my house if it's on fire. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> That's why you have a rendezvous point so you can find each other because some a- of you might not have your phones. They don't even ask me when they turn off the internet, okay? <laughs> they they convert. It's all right. <laughs> John, you were going to say where your favorite moment was, I think. Yeah. Uh, the, the line that comes right after that whole fire escape conversation where Maxine's like, so apparently there is such a thing as too many colonics. <laughs> Another good line. 
I think they had good conversation. That's something you can only know from experience. <laughs> creepiest line was definitely John's daughter when she says she's still in you. Ooh, that was pretty bad. Yeah, I, that the, was, the look of that little the little girl version I mean, of Nadia. She oh. yeah. But John's, because the actress who plays John's daughter is the one who says that line, and she delivers it beautifully. Oh, good mm-hmm. God, yeah. Like, I, she, was, she was great in general. Like, I want to hang out with that little girl. She's oh. so cool. <laughs> She's just, <laughs> like, very like, detached, almost. Like, this is, his ex, this is my father's ex-girlfriend. Yeah. It's fine. Well, I think at that point, the, the emotion pack in the video game has been eliminated <laughs> as well, so... That's why. I, don't, I, I, thought, I thought that was a realistic representation of that little girl. I mean, yeah. think about her life, who her dad is, and who her dad is attracted to. There's probably a lot of Natasha in her mom as well. Fair. Well, and Nata- not Nadia. 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 Well, and on top of that, the first time we see her when she refuses to go in, she flips Nadia off. Right. Yeah. So I think that's just who she is. But then obviously she cl- it clearly is a morph into Nadia seeing something else when she delivers that, that line about her being in, still inside you. Which, I, do is it going to be the nun- younger Nadia who's still inside Nadia or Nadia's mother who's still inside her? I think it's both. I think that... Um Young Nadia is the representation of Nadia with the influence of her mother, like directly. Like we saw when she was, um, when they were in the car and that whole moment where the guy asked if she was okay, um, which was a very hard scene. Um, She asked if, he asked if she was okay. Uh, And after that, her mom uh, says to her like, like, um, like, do you see what that guy, like, why would that guy yell at me like that? But he clearly never yelled. He never yelled. Uh, and her first response, like, immediately was like, it's okay. Like, you're right. He was wrong. Mm-hmm. And that speaks absolute volumes. Oh. Yeah. It, it was hurt. also very, very hard to hear. No, absolutely. It hurt. It hurt. As being somebody that works with children, that, that scene hurt me. Like. Yeah. 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 Uh, like, if I ever saw that in person, like, I. Well. Ugh. And you just wanted to look at him and go, yes, no, you're doing, you are doing the right thing, yes. sir. You are being uh-huh. a good Samaritan. You are, uh-huh. yes, you are you're doing, doing really your civic for 1991. duty. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> like, thank you. Thank you for paying attention to the fact that this woman has filled her car with watermelons and is throwing out all their winter coats to make room for more watermelons. Thank you yeah. for recognizing that that's probably not safe for the child. It, it was a lot. And I think that imagine how hard of a task they had trying to solidly convince you of how crazy her mom was and how toxic her mom was in the short amount of time that we've actually seen her. Oh, yeah. yeah, but and they did a they fantastic job. Yeah. <laughs> they did a, a really fantastic job. And you do kind of see the the part that I found really interesting was the young Ruth and the... so. Clearly, Ruth started out as Nadia's mother's therapist. Like, possibly, I think I, that's where sure. it started. But like, you definitely see in these scenes where that her role switches. She's like, "No, I'm mm-hmm. no longer your therapist. I need to be your child's protector. Like, mm-hmm. you're a lost cause. I have to move on. I have to protect your child from you." And it's, I think, it's a really interesting because you can you watch that shift over this episode in those few scenes. And I find that really interesting. It's definitely a lot. I, I felt so many things for 
for Ruth in that because like we obviously we only see older Ruth, you know, yeah. and there's like people have really nailed writing a person who is older and you feel the entire weight of their life in that moment and it just hits you like straight through the heart. Mm-hmm. And this was one of those. Yeah. No, I, I still wish it was Carrie Fisher, even though this lady <laughs> absolutely nails it. I feel like that's Carrie Fisher. By Carrie Fisher. Yeah. I uh, for sure. Oh yeah, that was probably who it was originally written for, and they just yeah. didn't get the opportunity. But the actress does a phenomenal job. Yeah, she, she fills and the her, shoes very well. Her voice is one that I think adds so much to the character, where Carrie Fisher doesn't sound like that. True. So. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. Only one episode left in the, this the first season. Uh, everybody, other than Stephen, how are how are you feeling? How are you excited to, for the season to be over? To maybe get some answers, or <laughs> are you everybody just not wanting to see it? I am prepared to be disappointed. Like I, I've already accepted the fact that I am not going to get answers in this next episode and it's just going to leave us on a cliffhanger and there'll be no resolution and they haven't even started shooting the second season yet. <laughs> so I've just, I've like prepared myself for disappointment Yeah. <laughs> in a lack if of it, conclusion. Yeah. If it means anything, I, I didn't think that they were going to get a second season mm-hmm. and I had a full, I had a full arc with this whole thing. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Well, there you go. And if That's... it does disappoint, just remember we still have like ten more episodes of Vagrant Queen to look forward. <laughs> <laughs> That's. That's kind of my thinking, too. Honestly, the more I watch it, the more I'm like, I don't know why it got a second season. I don't think it's one of those shows that needs a second season, a lot like Watchmen. Watchmen was a perfect one-season show. Mm -hmm. I think this one's a perfect one-season show, so I am kind of sort of upset they're doing a second season, but maybe they'll surprise me, but I'm just... Maybe it'll be something completely different, different characters or, or something, but I'd love to see Maxine go through this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for for this one, um, I've often compared this series and uh, Maniac. Oh yeah, Maniac. Yeah. How like you guys having enjoyed this so far? Does it make you curious at all, or are you like, you know what? I'm good for several months. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was always curious about Maniac, but the Jonah Hill of it all makes me still not want to watch it. So. Oh yeah, that. That piece of information is important to me. Yeah, um, he's not Jonah Hill in this. This is his. This is his uncut gems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, it is. It is. It is a serious movie, but it's not uncut gems. I don't know. Okay. I'm crazy about that fucking movie yeah. right yeah. now. <laughs> I mean, this is definitely heavy, but I I enjoy it so much that I'd be intrigued by something that's similar. Yeah. And what you guys might have wanted from this series to get like a little crazier, a little kookier at times and everything. Um, Maniac definitely has that. It's a more f- fun watch. Like, and I mean it like it's genuinely super crazy fun at times. I don't know if I'd want this more fun. Oh, interesting. I kind of like the, the deep look at it. I, I really do. I, I think it's so exceptionally well-written and so full-bodied that it, it, I don't know, I guess I don't need the fun. I, I mean, fun I definitely person, understand that okay. one. <laughs> like, I, I, I like, I, no, you know, we'll save that for later. Okay. I'll talk about Maniac later. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jessica, where can people find you online? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey writes. And John, where can people find you online? I'm also on Twitter at Magic Bollocks. Steven, where can people find you? You can find me across all social media as either Peppermint Gentleman or Peppermint Gent. Uh, I am on Twitter if you want to talk to me. I am at Mitchipedia G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Elizabeth? Uh, you can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page is, face, uh, is forward slash Geek Elite Media. Uh, you can also find archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekelitemedia.com. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast.